0: On uh, Diamondbacks Podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, a multimedia journalist and my graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to follow more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at thomas 24 from my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Now, on today's pod, we were discussing this article written by CBS Sports detailing the top trade targets this free agency, this offseason, and two of the trade targets are Arizona Diamondbacks. So we'll break down where those two fall on this guy's trade target list and why those two players of the Arizona Diamondbacks should not be traded to why we're shutting down any rumors of those two players being traded. So we'll talk about who those two players are and where they fall on the trade target list. And then to wrap up the pod, Bleach Report came out with an article detailing the worst trade since the year 2000. The D-backs have a couple moves on that list, the Max Scherzer trade and the 2004 offseason as a whole so we're gonna look back at those two trades and apply them to why the two players on this trade target list by CBS sports shouldn't be moved so all these segments today that we're doing are all kind of intertwined and they're all kind of building off of each other so if my omnia speaking is confusing you a little bit it's gonna be crystallized as we get into the pod and break down these players and trades further so let's jump right into the pod and let's not waste any further time but before we do that let me first thank my listeners. Thank you for making Lockdown Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I cannot do this podcast without you listening, sharing, subscribing, reviewing. So thank you for doing all that jazz so I can do this podcast for you. But now let's jump right into the podcast, breaking down the trade targets from the AZD backs <laughs> Diamondbacks, your daily arizona diamondbacks podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day now let's jump into the cbs sports article the top 20 offseason trade candidates by mac by mike Axisa. i hope i'm pronouncing his name right and This is an article, 20 trade targets. D-backs have two players on this list. They got Carson Kelly at number 15, and they got Ketel Marte on this list at number one. Just more media trying to create trades for the D-backs. I always have to tell lockdown hosts when they hop on this pod, we are not trading Ketel Marte. And now it seems like I have to add Carson Kelly into that mix as well. Mike Axia, basically his reasoning for Carson Kelly being considered a trade candidate is mostly because of Dalton Varsho. I feel like Carson Kelly, he acknowledges, is one of the better hitting catchers in baseball. Uh, if you take away his short 2020 season, of course, he has been a pretty good catcher two of his last three years in Arizona. He is pretty affordable under team control as well. And with Dalton Varsho's second half breakout season, he believes it makes Carson Kelly a little bit more expendable. The catcher position this offseason especially in free agency, is kind of thin so Carson Kelly could be a guy that could be moved according to him because the D-backs a terrible team like they are why not trade a guy like Carson Kelly and try to get some prospects back but I don't think it's a very good move for the D-backs the D-backs should not be giving away young talent Kelly can still be an everyday catcher while Varsha plays the outfield and platoons its catcher it's not like if Carson Kelly's on his team, then there can be no Dalton Varsho for the foreseeable future. Or if the D backs want to play Dalton Varsho, that means he has to play catcher and you have to get rid of Carson Kelly. No, both Carson Kelly and a Dalton Varsho can thrive together. Carson Kelly can play catcher while Darton while Dalton Varsho, the athletic freak he is, can go out there and play outfield. So I believe those two can still play together. Not to mention the universal DH might come back to the NL, which can help with some redundancy issues. Maybe Carson Kelly plays a little DH every now and then with Varsho at catcher. Maybe Varsho DH and then Carson Kelly at catcher. So you can do a whole bunch of different things there. I think it's just too early to break those two up. They're both on the up and up. Both of them are under team control. Both of them are young and cheap assets. Varsho also would have to prove to be an incapable player at defense in the outfield for me to move him I would have to feel like Dalton Varsho can't play outfield defensively for the long term for me to really consider moving off of Carson Kelly because what I saw from Dalton Varsho in 2021 it really makes me believe that that guy could potentially be a gold glove outfielder like The way he moves, his athleticism, his instinct, Dalton Varsho looked just fine playing outfield defensively. And also, for me to move a Carson Kelly, I would have to feel like, or or maybe like the reverse side, maybe I would have to feel like Carson Kelly is a liability defensively for me to move him. And I don't feel like he's a liability defensively either. I feel like he actually had a pretty good 2021 season behind the plate. He's not the best defensive catcher in baseball, but he's definitely no slouch, so... Right now, Varso looks pretty solid as a defensive outfielder. Carson Kelly looks pretty solid as a defensive catcher. And right now, there's no questions or concerns for me from a defensive standpoint with the, the with the positions they're playing now. For me to think that I have to break those two up. If Dalton Varshaw was the liability in the outfield and was just uh more of a Paven Smith type player in the outfield, then I was like then I would be like, yeah, more willing to the idea of moving Carson Kelly if I want to go the Dalton Varshaw way. So right now, the questions or concerns I would have defensively just aren't there and they're both still under so much control financially it just wouldn't make any sense to move them when you're thinking about the financial standpoint of the trade and maybe there's still hope that Carson Kelly could learn a little first base I'm guessing that might be some wish casting on my end but First base does not seem like a deep position for the D-backs right now. Of course, you got a Christian Walker there, but he seems more like a trade asset. I really like a Seth Beer. I think he could be a stud offensively at first base, but everyone considers him a defensive liability. Maybe he has more DH Rin in his future. And then Kelly, he just keeps continuing to improve overall as a player. Trading him right now might actually be selling low on a Carson Kelly. He improved his ground ball percentage in 2020 to 2021. He improved it from 2020 to 2021. It was 40.9% in 2020 to a career low 31.9% in 2021. His OPS rose from 649 to 754, a pretty big jump in one season. His war wins above replacement rose from Negative 0.3 to a positive 2.2. is really solid at throwing out runners in 2021 as well. Caught 23% of attempted, base deal, uh, of attempted base dealers in 2021. Only allowed eight pass balls. And with Luke Weaver not looking like that 2019 guy, I'm not sure the D-backs want to move on from the best piece they currently have in that Paul Goldschmidt deal. So overall, it just doesn't make any sense for the D-backs to move off for Carson Kelly right now. The dude is still young. He's a stud catcher. He's one of the best offensive catchers in baseball. His offensive numbers across the board tells you he's better than league average at almost any offensive category for a catcher defensively, he continues to improve, he continues to get better in that area. The first half of the season before injuries for Carson Kelly this year, he was phenomenal, crushing it at the plate on base percentage, slugging percentage, just crushing it. Slow down in the second half, I think it was mostly because of injuries. So, if he could get back to where he was in the first half, then it would make him, it would make the idea of not trading him look even better and also I don't want to break up a Dalton Varshow and Carson Kelly I love Dalton Varsho, but I think there could be a spot for Dalton Varshow in this lineup and for Carson Kelly this D-backs team is starving for young talent and I'm not trading Carson Kelly just because some other team might want him because the market for catchers is pretty thin right now. That doesn't make any sense for the D-backs. They should continue to hold on to Carson Kelly and build his value, continue to grow that value. Maybe trade him a year or two from now, but right now, I think it's still too early. Carson Kelly's still getting better. He can still have an even better breakout season, have a full season where he's breaking out like he had in the first half of 2021. And if that happens... Carson Kelly's value is going to skyrocket. So I'm just going to hold on to Carson Kelly for now. I'm going to continue to pair him with Dalton Varcho. Those are two young stud catchers. And I would rather have a redundancy issue and have a surplus of great elite young hitting catchers than just have one on the roster and trade the other one for just a bag of peanuts. I don't even know what phrase, funny phrase I could put there, but I'm not trading Carson Kelly. No, sir. Not at this stage of his career when he's still young, still cheap, and he's still improving. Now we'll talk about how it's upright ridiculous to even consider a Ketel Marte trade, but All right, all right, right. let's get back into the pod and let's discuss another player on the CBS Sports Top 20 Offseason Trade Candidates. And this guy falls number one on his list Ketel Marte. I know everyone wants a Ketel Marte. Who wouldn't want him? He's a complete offensive stud. Ketel Marte is a uh, a beast. There's not much more you can say about Ketel Marte. And Mike believes the D backs should trade Ketel, Ketel Marte because they've been terrible the last two years. And why not trade a Ketel Marte like your Carson Kelly? When you've been terrible the last two years and you got a player on a cheap contract and a stacked NL West, it doesn't look like your team is gonna be improving in the near future why not trade Ketel Marte? That's basically Mike's overall point. You're not going anywhere in the near future. You're not getting better than the Dodgers or Giants, most likely, in the near future. You're just gonna be wasting the prime of the career of a Ketel Marte, so why not send him somewhere else? He's gonna be making around $30 million for the ages of 20 to 30, which would be an absolute steal for someone to trade for him. I mean, if you can get a top five MVP candidate for around 10 million dollars, who wouldn't want to do that? And that's basically what you would get for Ketel Marte if the D-backs ever decided to trade him. He's a legit MVP candidate. That's way below market price and you really wouldn't have to give him a massive deal if you didn't want to, assuming if the if the other team traded for Ketel Marte this offseason. But still, Mike acknowledges how The D-backs weren't interested at trading him at the trade deadline this past season, and they might be more open to it now after looking at their roster the past few months. Maybe they reevaluated their situation because Mike Hazen, it's a different situation right now this offseason than what they might have thought going into last offseason with this D-back Seymour two offseasons ago when they thought this was a team that was really close to playoff contention. Now you look two seasons later this team might be super far from playoff contention and might be in complete rebuild mode. And right now, Mike Hazen, it wasn't like he was going to make a move during the trade deadline because he was mostly MIA during the season because he was dealing with his wife. Uh, His wife was dealing with some health issues and he needed to go be with her. So the D-backs were using their assistant GM mostly during the season. And so they just weren't going to make any major moves, any major splashes during the regular season. They talked about how they might make a major move during the offseason like a Ketel Marte trade. They would do it during the offseason and not during the regular season. But still, I don't think they should do it. It wouldn't hurt to listen to offers for Ketel Marte, but you just don't do it. And the main reason why I won't do it is because of the last sentence in this article by Mike. Because he says, given his contract and versatility, it's easy to see Marte as a fit for just about any team, contender or rebuilder. That's my overall point as to why the D-backs shouldn't trade Ketel Marte. For that sentence right there, given his current contract and versatility, it's easy to see Marte as a fit for just about any team, contender or rebuilder. That's what the D-backs are, a rebuilding team. So why should they get rid of their best player? If you're admitting this guy can fit on a team, good or bad, then why should the D-backs be the team to give him up? The D-backs are a bad team, and they're not going to get any better if they give up their best Players. The D backs are trying to rebuild, so why would they give up a Ketel Marte who can help speed up that rebuilding process? The D backs are never going to get back young talent as good as a Ketel Marte. They were lucky to get. Uh, Kentel Marte uh, in the trade that they got him for and Kentel Marte he's versatile he plays second base he plays center field it's hard to get a guy who can do both of those two things plus he's a switch hitter which makes him even more valuable Marte is a second baseman batted 344 with 1050 OPS in 2021 that is elite with runners in scoring position he had a 347 average and a 1081 OPS that is elite with two outs and runners in scoring position. Marte had a 353 average and 11.17 OPS in 2021. That is elite. A career high in exit velocity at 90 miles per hour and a hard hit percentage. Career high at 48.4%. Ketel Marte had one of his best hard contact seasons in a D-backs uniform in his career. A lot of his advanced numbers and hard contact rate numbers were right aligned with what he did in 2019 when he finished fourth in MVP voting. This guy, two of the last three years, has been one of the most productive hitters in all of baseball. It is idiotic for the D-backs to think they can trade this guy. Yes, if you want to listen to offers, that is one thing, but the D back should not trade Ketel Marte. And I get it, Mike. I agree. He should be the top trade candidate this offseason. And I get why so many teams are interested in him. You look at the Arizona Diamondbacks as a franchise and you think they are going nowhere. Ketel Marte on that cheap contract should be on a World Series contender where he can actually contribute to winning. But guess what? I want to see Ketel Marte in a D-backs uniform, and I want to see him contribute to winning in a D-backs uniform, and trading him is not going to fulfill that dream that I have. I want to see the D-backs make the postseason, and I think the D-backs have a chance of making a wild card in the near future before that cheap contract for Ketel Marte runs up. I think the D-backs in the next two to three years... In the next two to three seasons, I bit my tongue a little bit there on this rant. I'm sorry. I'm actually in a little bit of a pain uh, after biting my tongue. Uh, But... They should not trade Ketel Marte. I want to see Ketel Marte contribute to a winning environment in Arizona. He's been one of the best productive sluggers in baseball two of the last three seasons. The D-backs can build a wild card contender in the next two to three years. They got Zach Gallen, Bumgarner solid. We'll see what Brent Strom, the new pitching coach, can do. We got a new hitting coach as well. Dalton shows down the up and up. Carson Kelly's down the up and up. You make a couple moves in the offseason, a couple pieces to that starting lineup. Get yourself another rotation starter, a couple bullpen guys. Maybe you get some help from within house, like a Corbin Martin stepping up, a JB Braskakis stepping up. I don't know, but I think it's very possible for the D-backs to be a competitive team in the wildcard race the next two to three years. With the recent Trades in terms of superstar trades that we've seen the last two, three off seasons: Mookie Betts, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. Even I have not liked the returns that a lot of those teams have done. So I'm not trading Ketel Marte and Carson Kelly for. Three dimes on the dollar. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm holding on to a Carson Kelly and a Quetel Marte through the offseason. And I'm not making a move until my back is against the wall. And I absolutely have to. So Ketel Marte, Carson Kelly, I will see you two back in a D-backs uniform to start the 2022 season. Now we'll discuss those awful trades in D-Backs franchise history and how it can apply to not trading a Quetel Marte and a Carson Kelly. But first, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. I love Thanksgiving. All the good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert but isn't so full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Bilt Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories and that's on the low end. Most Bilt Bars are only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar with plenty of protein. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Bilt Bar or go for a raspberry Bilt Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a Built Bar or two. Share some of your family gatherings. It'll make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a Built Bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors arriving at Built.com regularly. So check this site often. There's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday. Market calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, all right all right let's get back into the pod and let's discuss those terrible d-backs trades in franchise history and how it can apply to not trading Ketel, Marte and carson kelly because bleacher report recently came out with an article detailing the worst trade since the year 2000 and the d-backs had two trades that fell on their list one at number two and one at number three so two and three on this list So we're first going to start with number three because this is basically the entire 2004 off season for the D-backs it's not even one trade it's the entire off season because the D-backs made two blockbuster trades during this off season that shaped the which transformed their roster for the worse basically because they sent out all star pitcher Kurt Schilling to the Red Sox for Casey Fossum, Brandon Lyon, Jorge De La Rosa, and Mike Goss. And then just a few days later, they shipped out Chris Capuano and Jorge De La Rosa, who they just acquired, to the Brewers for power hitting first baseman Richie Sexton. Now, Fossum was coming off a 547 ear ray with 3.9 walks per nine or 14 starts. So not really that good lion was coming off a 412 era as a back-end reliever after struggling as a starter his first couple of years goss was just a prospect and Delarosa was just a prospect and then you look at kurt Schilling; he was coming off a 295 era and a double digit strikeouts per nine at age 36 so it makes you question why were the d-backs giving up an all-star pitcher for some struggling uh starter slash relievers and some prospects doesn't really make any sense and then Richie Sexton was coming off a 45 home run All-Star campaign, so I can see why the D-backs were bringing him into the fold. Chris Capuano made 5 starts and a 4.6 ERA as a rookie, so I don't think the D-backs were too upset giving him up considering they were getting an All-Star back, but those trades did not work out in the D-backs' favor because Fossum and Lyon combined for a .7 WAR in Arizona, and Goss never even made it to the major leagues. Lyon had a 4.03 ERA over four seasons in Arizona. Fossum had a 6.65 ERA in just one season as a starter in d D-backs uniform. Sexton was phenomenal in the month of April, but unfortunately, injuries limited him limited him to just 104 plate appearances in 2004, and then he elected to go to free agency and he ended up with the Seattle Mariners in the next offseason. So the D backs gave up a capuano and Jorge de la Rosa and gave and got back basically nothing in return because they only got one year of production out of Sexton where he was mostly hurt the whole time. And to add insult to injury Sexton actually went on to be pretty good for the Mariners over the next two seasons in Seattle 30-plus home runs each of the next two seasons, and OPS around 860 during that time as well. So he looked pretty good. And then Curt Schilling, of course, went on to win two World Series in Boston. He had the iconic Bloody Sock performance in 2004, All-Star was a Cy Young Award runner-up during that time as well, his first year in Boston, so he absolutely dominated after being traded. Capuano and De La Rosa went on to be solid Major League starters around a 4.2 ERA or somewhere around there, so you're not crying tears over those two guys, but considering they were at least solid starters and Richie Sexton gave you no production it just hurts you just got back negative value in the end so that hurts and the d-backs ended up going from an 84 win season in 2003 to a franchise worst 51 wins in 2004 so that deal those two deals just absolutely tanked the arizona diamondbacks and it didn't get any better because few years later in December of 2009, in December of 2009, the D-backs decided, hey, let's trade our number one overall pick from the 2006 MLB draft and see what happens. Because Max Scherzer quickly came up through the Arizona Dimeback system. He debuted in 08, full-time starter in 2009, but the D-backs thought, hey eh, let's move off of this guy he had a 4.12 ERA over 30 starts in 2009 305 ERA over 56 innings pitch in 2008 but the D-backs I guess just weren't content with the Scherzer thought they could get a better deal a better player out of him so they sent him to Detroit in the three-team deal Scherzer to the Tigers the D-backs got Ian Kennedy and Edwin Jackson the Yankees got Curtis Granderson and Ian Kennedy Looked pretty good pretty early. He had a solid ERA that first season. His second season really took off, had like a 2-8 ERA. Finished fourth in NL Cy Young voting during that second year. But he got worse the next two seasons. The next season and a half just didn't look very good in the D-backs uniform. And overall, it was a solid stint with Arizona, but not phenomenal. Had a very good but not elite 3.8 ERA and 7.9 strikeouts per nine over three and a half seasons with Arizona. Edwin Jackson spent a half a season with the D-backs. He was coming off an of all-star campaign in 2009, but in, 2020, in 2010, just a half season with the D-backs at a 5.16 ERA just looked absolutely terrible. So the D-backs, in the end, I don't think they really got a great return back. And Max Scherzer, of course, basically went on to become a a pitching legend in the 21st century. In modern baseball, Scherzer has been one of the best pitchers over the last 20 years, arguably the best pitcher, him or Clayton Kershaw. So the D-backs ended up trading their number one overall pick from 2006, and he actually lived up to that number one overall status, that billing. He ended up being one of the best pitchers over the last 20 years, and the D-backs never even got to see it through, so how can we apply those two trades to Carson Kelly and Quetel Marte? Well, the D-backs don't need to rush to make a move like they did in 2004. They didn't properly evaluate what they were giving up in that Schilling deal versus what they were acquiring. Schilling was still an all-star stud elite level pitcher, while the D-backs were getting back just mediocre pitchers. Gave up a dollar basically for three dimes, and I do not want to do that deal. Don't want Kintell Marte to be moved below market value and then contribute to a winning environment somewhere else. I just feel like if the D backs trade Ketel Marte, it's gonna be like a uh, like a Kurt Schilling deal where they get back three dimes for a dollar. They just get back middling prospects, and I just don't want to do that. And then the Scherzer deal, they got rid of a young asset before even seeing it through. Don't get rid of a Carson Kelly as he continues to get better. Already repeated history by giving up a number one, another number one overall pick in Dansby Swanson. Don't give up on Carson Kelly too early either. He's still young. He's still improving. And I don't want to see him flourish somewhere else like the D-backs did with Max Scherzer. So right now, the D-backs need to hold on to a Ketel Marte and a Carson Kelly. And they need to learn from their past because they made a lot of mistakes when it comes to trading too soon. Now that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Probably have some more free agent talk with the D-backs tomorrow, some more free agent targets. Still got a few more guys off the MLB Trade Rumors top 50 free agents list that I want the D-backs to go after. So we'll be talking about that this week. And of course, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. We'll not be doing this podcast without you. Thank you. This podcast is free and available on all platforms. So continue to listen, share, and subscribe. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces!